0: We're gonna talk a couple of minutes about leading with diligence, which is vital. Is any any time you go to work for a company, they expect you to work with diligence. Amen. And it means the best that you have on top of it, crossing all your T's, dotting all your I's, make sure you get to work on time, make sure all the accounts are taken care of, make sure the clients are happy, making sure you're Selling more than your share of widgets. Praise God. Making sure if you fix the car, the client doesn't come back the same week. What have you done with my car? Yeah. Praise God. Romans chapter 12. We're going to read from verses 3 through 8. I'm going to read from the New King James. What did the Lord read as follows for? I say through the grace given to me. Notice that the Apostle Paul was saying that there was grace that was given to him. And he says, So I say through, through the, the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, But all the members do not have the same function. I'm going to say that again. For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So that should settle it once and for all. As to you trying to be that other person. Because it's not going to happen. Because you're not supposed to be that other person. Because God made you unique, special. You You have a special gracing upon you. A special set of gifts or gift sets or gift set rather. Then it says, for we being many are one body in Christ and individually we are members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use it. Let us use them. So say with me, I have a grace gift. Let me use it then. then. So according to the apostle, he says we've been graced in a different way. But we're part of the body. So that grace should be manifested in the context of the body. But it says here, according to the grace that is given to you, use it. And it says if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. The one who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. I'm going to say it again. He who leads with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the instructions of your word. For teaching us how to be effective kingdom citizens. Citizens in your kingdom, Lord God effective co-laborers, Lord, that we might be pleasing children unto thee, O God, that we might be effective co-laborers, co-laborers, that we might work together, my heavenly Father, in a spirit of love and mutual respect, honoring you in everything we do, Lord God, doing everything as unto the Lord, and we'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of God. See, that's exciting to me because that means I'm important. I'm going to say it again. That's exciting to me because that means I'm important. Because even though it says I should not think of myself higher than I ought, I do need to think of what I mean to the body of Christ. Some people think they're big and bad because they have a specific gift. Or in some ministries and churches, we celebrate one gift over another, which is a very big mistake. And I see that among especially uh, Pentecostals and Charismatics, we, we, we tend to celebrate the, the prophecy gifts. If Prophet Shon show shows up, you know, the church gets packed up and everybody wait 10 hours for a prophecy. I know because this happened right here. And don't get me wrong, I celebrate that. We had a prophet about, I don't know, maybe six months ago. People stay here till 3.30 in the morning from Friday into Saturday waiting for their word. And don't get me wrong, it was awesome. And I celebrated that gift for that time. What about the teacher? What about the administrator, the ones we don't like too much? God knows, man, most of us don't like administrators. You better get on time, otherwise you're going to get written up. How many here just love the administrators? Amen, let's celebrate the administrators. Not too many. Amen. We don't celebrate the administrators. But yet they're the ones that help us stay on course. They're the ones that push us ahead. And then it talks about mercy gifts. It even talks about, in verse 8, it says here, the one who gives with liberality. There are people that are gifted to give. It's amazing. There are people that have an ability to be able to generate large amounts of finances and resources and connections. And uh, God will sometimes have uh, my son, my daughter, write a $100,000 check to build us the next room for the church or something like that. There are people that have that gift. But it says, those who have that gift, give with generousness, with liberality. He who leads with diligence. Now, the the theme today, or what I want to bring is, we all need to lead with diligence. Because we're all called to lead. Now, the key here is, you might not have the title, but you're still called to lead. So even though you don't have the title, you're still influential. Praise God. You are. You are very influential. Somebody's looking at you. Somebody is watching you, and they're learning from you, whether you know it or not. There's always somebody, there's always somebody watching you, Amen. at the workplace, maybe your family, your friends. They're watching you, and especially if they know you're a Christian, they're looking to see if you're genuine, because people have no problems with genuine Christians. They just hate the false ones. That's right. And then the devil uses a bad example to try to nullify all the good examples. So, because of that, we need to lead with diligence. Leadership can be influence to induce in a given way or path. You know, a leader will induce you, maybe not push you, but induce you to go a certain way. And when, when you talk about leadership, you're, you're talking about guiding, directing, talking about setting people in a course. Maybe you have an opinion, a strong opinion which leads people. Or a direct command. A leader can have a direct command that oh. You know, boss said it, so let's do it. To lead implies then that a person knows where they're going. They know uh, how to get there. They know how to get others to get there with them also. But when you talk about self-leadership, that means you know where you're going. And that means you self-motivate. The Bible says that David would motivate himself to praise God in the good and in the very difficult times. And we're coming to a point, people where we really have to get this point. We have to start understanding that sometimes pastor's not going to be there. Brother so and so is not going to be there. Sister so-and-so. Elder so-and-so. Minister so and so is not going to be there. Sometimes God just wants you to make a decision. God wants you to start leading your own life. And here's the issue. How are you going to lead others if you can't lead yourself? So, Self-leadership means that you personally discipline yourself to go in a specific direction on a continual basis. Is it difficult? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because see, when we were young, we learned a certain set of rules and and, and we were taught, just, just do, just do, just do. But as you grow up, there are certain habits that you have that you have to start releasing and embrace your mature self. And in the kingdom of God, the world needs you. Say to your neighbor, the world needs me your community needs you your family needs you you are needed so the quicker you understand this and the quicker you strip away the old self and start embracing who you are in Christ the more quicker you'll start asking God for the disciplines that you now need to apply to your own personal life you know paul was said he said i buffet my own body constantly why because he knew where he was going and one time john maxwell said this Once while conducting a leadership seminar, I defined discipline in the beginning of life as a choice of achieving what you really want to do by doing things that you don't want to do. And after a while, after successfully doing this for some time, discipline then becomes the choice of achieving what you really want to do by doing things you now want to do. So in the beginning, when you start to lose weight, you don't. You don't want to get up early and exercise. You know the guy from Avatar, the bad guy from Avatar. I think his name is Steven Lang. Remember? The, did you see Avatar, anybody? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the rest of you, you liars. The altar's open. Effective immediately. I'm sure all of you saw Avatar. Well, you know, remember the bad guy, the bad uh, colonel or something like that? Well, he's now 58 years old. That gives me hope because I'm in my 50s, and the dude looks buff. That means I can be buff too. If I apply the same disciplines that he applies. Gets up at 4 in the morning every day, <clears throat> but that's, <clears throat> that's, that's what he said he does. He says, I know I'm not as young as I used to be and I'm not as strong as I used to be. He said, but that's okay. I now take naps, he says, but I still eat well. I get up every morning, 4 in the morning, I do several sets, uh, exercise, and he does that. Uh, with the understanding that when you burn early and you you do cardio and you lift weights early, all day long your muscles are continuing to burn energy. So whatever you do eat, you metabolize it properly instead of it landing in the the, the gut. You know, right over here? Nobody's smiling now. (laughs) Everybody says, Pastor, I I like a good message but don't meddle. (laughs) Right? Uh, I, I understand. I won't go any further. But the problem is, is that we don't self-discipline. So if we're not internally motivated, we then have to be externally motivated. So when God sees that we don't embrace for ourselves the disciplines we need to embrace in order to be effective for his kingdom, then what he'll do, is send circumstance. And sometimes circumstance is called your boss. Sometimes circumstance will, will come in and say, you're fired. Sometimes circumstance will say, you don't have enough. Or you, you write in what your circumstance may be. If you're not internally motivated, you'll certainly be externally motivated. And God's, God's will leads us to his goodness. But the problem is the journey sometimes don't taste so good. Taste the Lord and see that he is good, right? <laughs> but sometimes the journey doesn't taste good at the moment. Nobody here knows what I'm talking about. Because when God speaks to you, you instantly obey. And you're all self-disciplined, you all wake up at 4 in the morning, and all of you do all these three sets of, of lifting weights, and you do cardio for half. I understand that, I know that. But see, I'm still in a journey, I'm still growing. I haven't arrived. Now, the bottom line is, we look at our most fabulous model, and that's Jesus. Jesus, one time he gets up, Luke four eighteen, and he says this, in front of a large audience, you know, he's, he's in the synagogue. And they would get from time to time uh, their turn to read. So it was his turn to read. He got up, he stood up, and he reads Isaiah four eighteen. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he declared that he's the one that that verse was talking about. Then he sat down. Well, obviously all those people, the minister says they all freaked out. They probably did. They went, who does this man think he is? That's Jesus, the son of... They, of course, they start talking. And Where is he from? They got very angry at him. And throughout the course of his ministry, they were all very angry. Religious mindset, many times the first persecutors of all things. So when you get it together with God, some of the very first people that will persecute you might come right from the church. They don't understand the call of God in your life. But you know what I thank God? That they didn't save me. He saved me. Because you're going to find when you self-motivate, by nature, that's going to take you higher. And the first thing that happens is your friends and your family members around you are going to start getting uh, upset at you. In Spanish, we say this, "Ah, Who do you think you are? You're a big deal now? Anybody here know where I'm coming from? Anybody understand that aspect of the culture? Yeah, it's, it's happened to me, it's happened to you, I, I understand that. But yeah. what happens is many times they don't understand, it's just that you're getting your act together because you're starting to see the need for you to be at your A-game. Say to your neighbor, you need to be at your A-game. You Amen. Amen. Jesus said this, he says in John 9, 4, he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is yet day. The night is coming when no man can work. And he understood the time and the seasons. He says, it's not time for me to be playing, what do you call those games? Little games? Video games. Video games. Video games. Yeah. Oh, Specifically, like 360 or Wii or something like that. I don't, I don't Xbox, okay, all right. It's not time to be playing Xbox anymore. It's time for me to be getting educated. It's time for me to get better because it's time for me to do the will of my father who sent me. Because we can apply that very verse to us. Jesus said, I am anointed to preach the gospel. I am anointed to set uh, the, the captive free, to heal the broken heart. And guess what? We are ministers of the gospel. Amen. So as ministers, we partner with Jesus in this awesome holy work. Amen. Amen. Yeah, but that's, that's for you, pastor. You're, you're, you're a reverend. You know something? Don't call me reverend. Don't call me any of that. Whether the title's there or not, I'm still called. The Bible says we're all ministers of reconciliation. So don't try to justify yourself. Now I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the church down the block. I know you guys don't do that. You know that. Whether you have a title or not, you're still called. I know this church does. But that church, you know, 20 blocks away, they have a problem with titles. They say If I don't have a title, I'm not going to do the job. Now the day the pastor gives me the title, then they're going to see what I'm made of. Well, in the kingdom of God, we need to show what we're made of before we ever get the title. Hallelujah. Because that's where we prove ourselves. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, prove them first, and then after a season of them doing the work, then recognize them in the kingdom of God. Well, I'm not going to do nothing because I'm doing stuff. Nobody recognizes me. I'm not going to do nothing until they recognize me. You're off. You need to stop that line of thinking. That line of thinking is going to get you nowhere. <laughs> Amen. I'm preaching today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're going nowhere with that line of thinking. When you know your purpose and what you need to do, it becomes easy to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. See, that's why it's important for us to connect with God this day. To read and study his word this day. Not worry what other people think. Don't worry about that. What does Heavenly Father have to say about it? Praise the Lord. Jesus was very clear in what he was to do, where he was to go, who he would be spending time with. You tell him to go, let's go here. He said, nope, I have to fulfill righteousness. I have to fulfill my the word of my Father. I have to work while it is day. There was no time to waste. How come so many people, you tell them, how are you doing? How's everything? "Eh, Same old, same old. What are you doing? Eh, you know, this little this, a little that. That's a person with no purpose. When you're a person with purpose, you're excited. You're motivated. You have urgency. Uh, Can you go on that? No, no, no. no, no. I can't do that. I'm in the middle of doing something big. And the thing is, you know it. You recognize it. You understand it. And people misinterpret that and think, oh, you think you're big and bad now, huh? You got no time to hang. Actually, no, I don't have time to hang. Because I'm doing something great right now. And many people get upset at you. And you know what, what I find? Many times you, you, you lose some friendships over it. Because they want you to remain the same so that they could feel comfortable in their mess. The minute you make them feel uncomfortable in their mess because now you're going higher. Now you're you're connecting with God. You're connecting with the purpose. People are going to get upset at you because you're making them uncomfortable. Jesus made them uncomfortable. The apostles made them uncomfortable. And we will make them uncomfortable too. But I'm not called to make people comfortable. I'm called to draw people into the kingdom of God. I'm called to have people see Jesus in me so that they may receive Jesus in them. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So the important thing is to self-motivate and to self-discipline. And that's a very difficult thing to do because you have to fight mindsets. You have to fight bad habits. And bad habits, we've got to be fair with ourselves because bad habits are very hard to break. Because bad habits come as a result of us doing something over and over and over and over again. And the brain takes it as a command. So it literally hardwires you to that. So if you're smoking, it's very hard to break that habit because you're hardwired. If you're always late, that's hard to break because you're hardwired. If you always say, well, I can't do, I can't do, I can't do, it," it's hardwired into your system. Now, is it true? No. It's just something that you allowed to become a permanent marker in your brain. And here's the issue. The issue is that every time somebody visits that point, the point of your habit, the same emotion will go back and repeat. Over and over and over again. You'll, you'll feel the same defeat. You'll feel the same anger. You'll feel the same frustration. But all that is, is an echo of something that happened a long time ago that no longer functions for your present or for your future. Amen. Wow. Amen. Wow, wow, wow. And that's hard to break because it's, it's wired in your brain. The synapses in your brain have collected it at, as, as a permanent Marker. So every time you go through a similar experience where you're just about ready to make it, suddenly your, 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 your brain fires in that and then you get the emotion that you can't. And since you feel it, you think it's real. It's not real. That's right. So that's how come you got to take it to the next level and by revelation start fighting that thing. Because how do you break a habit? Start doing something different over and over and over and over and over again. After a while, your brain starts fighting with you And start saying, no, but you told me this. It says, no, but I'm giving you another command. No, but you told me this. No, but I'm giving you another command. No, but you told me. Over and over, your brain will give you the hardest fight. But after a while, it starts saying, okay, this is a new command. So now it starts recreating the emotions, the feelings, and the habits connected with it. That's how come somebody said, once you want to establish a new habit, you got to do something for 30 days. I say, that's not entirely true. I, take, I say actually it takes about three to six months to a year. It takes a lot longer. Yeah, really. Most things take a good three to six months to a year. I'm just being realistic with the people. You try something for 30 days, you get into a wow, while, nice, nice, and after a while, you go right back. It, 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 we, we, we are recidiv- recidivistic by nature, we just go back to the same nonsense, the same me- mess by nature. But if you take for three, six months to a year, just get in there, if you, you fail, fail forward. Get right back. You, you got off the wagon, get back, right back on it, so to speak. And, and what I find is if you have purpose behind it, then you have a greater motivation. And what's the greatest purpose? My life is needed. Jesus said, while it is day, I need to work. It's day, people. This is the time to work. You have strength. You have life. Uh, you know, the favor of God's on you. When are you going to wait till so the favor's off? No, no, we have to do this thing now. We have to start breaking these habits now. What are you going to know? When, when, when you go before Jesus, you go, so sorry, Jesus, I had some bad habits. He's going to go, next point. <laughs> but we overcame him. I gave you power. I gave you my Holy Spirit. I gave you my word. So you did what? <laughs> Notice when he gave gifts to, the, to the, the, the people that were working him, the talents, when he gave five talents, when he gave two talents, when he gave one talent, the guy who had five talents multiplied it and gave Jesus ten talents back. And he says, good and faithful servant. He was happy with that. The guy that only had two talents only gave him back two. He didn't give him back another five. He only gave him back two. But yet Jesus told him the same thing. He said, good and faithful servant. The only one that Jesus got angry with was the one that had the one talent that decided to hide it. The Lord gave him one talent to go trade. I want that multiplied. He hid it, didn't do anything with it. So when the, the Lord came back, he said, what did you do with my talent? Ah, you know, I know you're a hard man and you, know, you want to, to reap where you don't sow. So I, I just hid the thing. Here's the talent back. Didn't do anything with it. What did Jesus say? You wicked and lazy servant. You could have at least put that talent in a bank. It could have multiplied. Now take that talent away from him and give it to one that has 10. Well, hold on a second. That's not fair. That guy has a lot of talents already. Why? If I only have one talent, why are you going to take it from me, leave me with nothing, and give it to the guy that has 10? That's not fair. Now, I find a lot of people saying that today. That's not fair. You know why Jesus says give it to the guy with 10? Because the guy with 10 is always busy, working, and produces. And he could be trusted. Yes. Amen. I got three amens right now. That's why you're going to find busy people, usually the ones that get promoted. The ones that have nothing and never do anything, never get promoted. And and watch this. If perchance they know somebody in the company that gets them promoted, they won't be able to keep that job. Because they're not responsible with the little, they will not be responsible with the much. My God. That's called being promoted to the level of your incompetence. How many of you know you could be doing a great job and your boss just really likes what you're doing So, well, you know, I'm going to make you supervisor of the whole department. You're a supervisor and you get fired in a month. Because you were a lousy supervisor, you were a great worker, but here's the problem. The problem was that it wasn't that you suck. The problem was is that you never made the transition and you never said, wow, here's another position, so now I need to study and be a good that. You stayed here thinking that now you could operate with the same gift sets here without bettering yourself. So at one play, you are a star and at the next level, you sucked. You understand that word? Yes. Okay. You know the concept, right? Yes. Don't get me upset here. See, so in, in this day, I was talking to one of the guys where I work and he was telling me, you know, uh, he calls me pastor, the guy. He, says, he knows I'm a pastor. He just calls me pastor. He says, you got a lot of you know, certificates. I says, yeah, I, I have a lot of certificates. Absolutely. And here's the reason why. And then I explained to him that principle. I love taking these young men and bringing them into your the office and just blowing them away with the word of God. Blowing them away with the wisdom of God. Perchance, I can actually help, help them so they can go higher. Amen. So I was explaining to him, he says, the reason why I have to do that is because my industry is morphing. And if I remain the same, if I keep the same knowledge that I have now, never, never desire to get better, I'm going to become obsolete. I'm going to become irrelevant in the next one to three years. And you know what happens with irrelevant people? You you know, you you fill in the, you know, irrelevant people are not needed. And there's no love out there. Either you, you do or you're out. Amen. What about Daniel? Daniel and his four friends. Daniel, he was taken uh, from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so now he's in a foreign place that doesn't serve his God. And they were looking for young, handsome men from noble families that they can train them in the arts and the languages of the Chaldeans. And so Daniel and three of his friends, I, in the Bible calls them Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they got hauled in, and these men said, we're going to train you for three years, and you're going to serve the king. Uh, the best of you will serve the king. So what did they do? They started feeding him wine and lots of meat and all that other good stuff, because they want to fatten them up and make them strong. And so Daniel says, you know, uh, sir, can I please not participate in that? we're dedicated to God and we can't eat these foods. But if you give us vegetables and water, we'll be happy. We'll go through your training. So the guy said, well, I don't know. My king wants some strong men. And I, don't want, I don't want to lose my job. And th- in those days when you lost your job, you also lost your head. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was very strict. I-, I find that kind of strict. What do you think? <laughs> so Daniel says, well, give me 10 days. Let me eat my food and let them eat their food. And then you judge between us to see who looks better. And at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his friends looked a lot better and stronger, and more robust than the other guys. The other guys were, <laughs> but he was, it was strong and robust, good diet, ex- exercise. You know, and they were dedicated to God. They dedicated their bodies, their minds to God. And it's interesting. Nobody told them to do that. Daddy wasn't there. Mommy wasn't there. The synagogue wasn't there. They were taken from Jerusalem and they were put in another land. And you know what happened? God raised up Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be leaders in a godless place. And today many of us worry because, oh, you know, it's not Christian America anymore. It's post-Christian. That doesn't make a difference. God can magnify you and your ministry in any setting. Whether it be Jerusalem... Or Babylon. Yes. And sometimes, depending on the place you're born, you might have to serve in Babylon. Yes. What was Joseph's greatest ministry? Was it in his father's house? No. no. It was next to a pharaoh. Pharaohs did not serve God. But yet, he, was his mo- he had his most effective time, his most effective ministry, not in the house of the Lord, but either in the marketplace, in the government place, So people of God, God is raising you up. Don't worry about where he's going to position you. He'll position you in the greatest place that will magnify your gifting and your anointing. Hallelujah. Amen. By today's standards, Jesus would have been an abject failure. Why? Because he never built a synagogue. He never built, you know, a great community of believers. He left 11 guys. Because out of the 12, one was a devil. Right? Right? Think about it. Jesus' team, one of them was the devil. Not the devil, just a devil. Little devil. Small d. Judas Iscariot, right? There was another Judas, but that guy was righteous. But God blessed him in such a way that we today don't understand. Because we want big. Everything has to be big. But yet, what was the biggest thing that Jesus did? He ministered to 12 guys. He gave his all to these 12 guys. He loved on them. He, he had them walk with him. He mentored them for three and a half years. And when, we, when he went back up to the Father, who was the one that turned the world upside down? It was those 11 guys because Matthias replaced uh, the, the Judas Iscariot, and then the 13th apostle was Paul. He never built a synagogue. Who who built them? Who built the churches? Who built the communities, the Christian communities? It was his sons, his spiritual sons. Hallelujah. In 21 years, they had reached all of Asia Minor. Cities saw revival. So what do we think is big? Oh, you got to make millions of dollars. You have to have real huge churches. No, how about you ministering to that one person? How how about you having that home group, that small home group and raising up a T.D. Jakes or a Billy Graham or somebody like that or somebody that can pastor a church? Or somebody that, that can touch the world in missions. Or how about you raising up somebody who become a next senator that, that would touch their, their city. Or somebody that could be a next president or a next doctor or a next lawyer. Praise God. See, we need to understand what we do is important. So that's why it's important that you self-discipline in this day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have unlimited resources today. Unlimited. Unlimited connections. You know, my connections can get you a lot of stuff today but how about our connections? One can chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. And somebody earlier said, I, I think it was Minister Julio, that there were over 30 people here praying. What type of power was released this past Wednesday? I had an awesome time. I, I was in a revival on Wednesday. I, that was awesome. Oh, they're praying. I'm saying, Lord, 30 people praying. What's next? 60 people praying? <laughs> I've been so used to people running away from prayer yeah. that to see him actually attracted to prayer we, we we're experiencing a move of God in this yeah, place yeah, when yeah. people wanted to pray. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you nice. know what I mean? Nice. Right. Hey, Lewis almost went to heaven. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Mr. Lewis, but he was so on fire. Yeah, the Lord's, oh hallelujah. Started twirling around. He ran up this wall. He chased around here. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh man, let me tell you that prayer was, that was fire. It was, it was awesome. And you know what happens? Nothing happens until we pray. So the fact that we're praying, things are going to happen. Hallelujah. For those of you looking on the internet, things happen when you pray. I know people looking into the internet because last week I was looking on the internet. I'm serious. You guys are having a great time. I was having a great time with you. Praise the Lord. We've also been anointed... Now, because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So now the body is the one that's actually doing the work of preaching, getting people healed, getting people saved, getting people set free. So we're anointed. Say to your neighbor, we're anointed. Now the, the anointing is a supernatural empowerment. It's a supernatural endowment of power and ability for a predetermined kingdom objective. And it will usher in the will of God. When God empowers somebody, when God anoints someone, it speaks of power and anointing. Anointing carries power. All right. Amen. So we are anointed; we carry power. There's a uh, that word dunamis in the Greek, power. <clears throat> is Something very interesting. If you look at its definition, it's miraculous, explosive power. Dunamis. And that's the same word we get the word, same root word that we get the word dynamite from. So it's a dynamite type of power. Say to the neighbor, you have a dynamite type of power. (coughs) (coughs) Amen. Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who by and in consequence of the action of his power, that is at work within us, he is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare to ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. To Him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So when you start to think it, already God surpassed it. When you start to ask for it, He already has on this earth realm all the power you need and way beyond all that you need. But I've never gotten a break. Well, it's time that you get some breaks. Release the power. Stop praying the prayer. Start making the declarations. Are you aware your declarations are dangerous? Because your, de- your declarations have power behind it. That's why it's important that Christians not gossip. Because your gossip has power. Mm-hmm. People were praising God. There was I'm, some people almost jumped up but when I said that. Everybody just calmed down. I saw one person went Hallelujah. It's amazing, man. When you talk about gossip, how people shut up. No, serious. Our words have power. That's why you need to be careful the things you say. If somebody says something to you, you can respond with life. You don't have to respond with that. Amen. We're so used to, you know, you spit me, I'll spit you. You curse me, I'll curse you. How about you curse me and I'll bless you. Amen. Amen. You hate me, I'll love on you. Amen. You're miserable, I'll be... I'll be not miserable. <laughs> No, it's hard. It's it's hard because our Adamic nature many times wants to respond in the same way because we understand that. We relate to that. But to relate in the spirit of Jesus, people can't take that. You know, the Bible says that there cannot be an argument unless there's two parties. If somebody's angry and wanting to argue, if you refuse to argue, you'll just get them angrier and angrier until they explode or something. (laughs) Really, because it's... When you want to fight and they won't fight you back, it's just a horrible thing. Oh, yeah. Even bullies don't like that. If they come go, well, what, you got a problem? Yeah. No problem. <laughs> you sure? Not even a little problem? No problem. Oh, I was thinking, because if you had a problem, you have a problem, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> they don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. And, and we, need to, we need to flow in that spirit. Hallelujah. So... What we know of anointing, in general, we could apply to specific areas. First and foremost, we need to realize that you're anointed to do what you were called to do. Amen. Yeah. Don't try to be somebody else, be yourself. If you're a good preacher, man, preach on. If you're a good teacher, start teaching. If you're a good administrator, give that to God and administrate with grace, with love, with tenderness, but also with strength. Because people need administration. Amen. I just heard last night or maybe early this morning, um, one genius, I hope he's not here, there was a funeral procession and he just decides to cross the funeral procession instead of respecting it. Wow! So he goes like that and and he hits one of the guys in the funeral procession and and he bumps off him and he goes into a building, bam, right into a building and and hurt people. Really? A funeral procession? I mean, that's so the one thing that, that as drivers we know. If you see a funeral procession, you slow up, let them pass, and then you go to the speeding lane and go that way. You wait. You don't try to muscle your way through. But see, us as humans, we have a tendency, we have a penchant and just to just break laws and to abuse. We just do that. So by nature, we need laws. We don't like laws, but without laws, we would implode as a nation. Ah, I shouldn't have got that ticket. Uh, Ticket, ticket, ticket. Uh, Why'd you get a ticket? Uh, I was just double parked just for 10 seconds. Um, As far as I know, even 10 seconds worth of double parking is an offense, right? Yeah, but you know, I just went in to get the coffee. See, here's the problem. You knew you were wrong when you did it. Because you went into the coffee, you went like this. (laughs) Hurry up, man, hurry up, man. Hurry up, hurry up. Why were you acting that way if there was no problem with it? And then you get the ticket. And then you're angry at the poor person. Well, meanwhile, you were the one that were guilty. (sighs) It's just the way we are. We have a penchant of just doing what's not right and pushing the envelope. And then we don't want to get caught. The anointing lies dormant in you until it's properly activated. In 1 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, uh, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, For this reason I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and of self-discipline. When you were born again, God tapped into that grace gift that's in you. Even before you, you knew the Lord, there was a gracing in you. But now, as you've given your life to God, those gifts, those abilities, touched by the mighty hand of God, touched by the Spirit of God, touched by the anointing, will activate for the benefit of others. The anointing is the one that actually breaks the yoke. The anointing is the one that actually leads us and others to truth. The anointing actually gives us wisdom to accomplish our assignment. So we need the anointing to be flowing mightily in our lives. The anointing gives us favor for progress. How many of you experience what I've experienced? That you're, you're the, most, the least qualified to get a job or to get the benefit, and you end up getting it. It's happened to me so many times. And when I go in, I don't think I'm big and bad. I say, Lord, thank you, because I know that's your anointing. I know it's your grace. And even the people say it. I I don't know something about you. I can't pinpoint it. I say, that's all right. I know what it is. It's the grace and the favor of God. Now, you don't abuse that. What you do is you give glory to God. And you benefit as many people as you can with it. Amen. The anointing will even give you increased expectation and hope. The Bible says in Romans 15, 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The anointing will help you see where the supply is. It will help trigger supply. And in this day we need to know where our supply is. And I believe that God is bringing us to a place to know where our supply is. And it, it probably is in places where you, where you haven't been looking. Mm-hmm. In the same way Jesus gave the apostles wisdom to be able to know where to fish, in the same way God or uh, Jesus blessed the loaves and the fish, I believe that he's going to give us ability to be able to generate much-needed resources personally, as families, and as a church family. Amen. You and I know that... Um, uh, here among the church family, we're going to start looking for a place. Amen. I'm already starting to send out feelers, because we don't own this place. Um, we co-use this place with the host church. They've been very gracious with us, and um, we've been saving our, our pennies. Our pennies have become dollars, and now we have a down payment for something. And I'm operating now in the wisdom of God. I'm not trying to uh, go by faith. By faith, we're going to get a $5 million building. Um <clears throat> Right now, I just read yesterday, there are more foreclosures that are happening with churches than ever before. Because people that moved quote unquote in faith years ago actually were moving in presumption. And they pushed the people too far. They didn't take faith steps. They took presumptive actions, which today has come to bite them. And it's a very sad thing to see Church, what was once a church now to be a bar or to be a store right on 6th Avenue in 22nd or 21st Street there was a former church you can see it it's a church building and they're settling clothing in there I look at that it grieves me something like limelight or something like that it grieves me to see clubs in what used to be a church because a previous generation sacrificed for that They worked hard, they, they, sell, they sold pasteles, chicken dinners, sacrifice took the change, put it together, all to buy that building so that the community could benefit from it. And today it's a club. It should be the other way around. Amen. We should be taking clubs and converting them into churches. Amen. And that's what I want to do as, as a fellowship. I want us to be able to come into a place, our own place, design it the way we want to design it. Bring in the arts, bring in conferences. Uh, you know, let the young people have their concerts and have a wonderful time. It's not what I would do. I don't know how to rap. I don't understand rappers. I, I'm, I'm just being real. If, if 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 there's a rap, I'll ask my son. I'll ask my daughters. They'll tell me. Oh, that means this, this, and this. And you were able to get that? How? There's a language. Yeah, that's how come I, don't, I really don't text. Because they, they text in, 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 in codes, in binary language. You know, X-O-U and uh, you know L-T-W-F. I, I don't know what they, these things are. But I don't have to. I'm not the one that's going genera- uh, to minister to that generation. Praise God. But I need to resource the generation that's doing it. Amen. The other day, we had a conference, um, a concert here, and I had just come back from vacation. I wanted to just come and drop by and say hello. When I got here, I couldn't almost get in the door. I said, "That the same place? And I got in there, and they, they were... <laughs> 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 Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Lord. <laughs> and I'm going... <laughs> <didn't understand> <laughs> no, I didn't understand that. Whole show. But see, I was all right with it. That was alright. My, my way, my ways a little different. But when I put my music on, my children go, Dad, please, really? I go, yeah, that's right, that's music! <laughs> that's my generation. But we need to, we need to minister to people of my generation. We need to people, to minister to people of the 30s, the 20s, the teenagers. They're, it's different cultures and we just need to make sure that the grace of God, the glory of God, the word of God doesn't change, but the culture does. You think things have changed between now and uh, and when Apostle Paul used to sing his songs? (laughs) I was raised in a church in the 70s. They used to sing a certain way, dress a certain way, and act a certain way. And then they would call it, and I, I mean no offense to anybody, honestly, because I still come from that extract. That, so I, I really respect my spiritual fathers and everything. But this is what they used to call it. They used to call it La Senda Antigua. La Senda Antigua is the old ways. Oh, All right? Okay, so let's think about that, the old ways. Right, okay. So when I studied what the old ways really were, it comes from uh, a root holiness movement from the early 1900s. And there was a, a pastor, Pastor Seymour, uh, a, a black pastor, man of God, and this church got filled with the Spirit in Azusa Street. Mighty move of God. People got filled with the Spirit. that were rolling all over the place. They called them holy rollers. They would dress white, in white. Women would dress up here, to the neck, all the way to the floor because they wanted to distinguish themselves by, by living separated from the world. So they would not allow any colors on them. Um, it had to be black and white for men, women all white. And uh, the, the, dress, the hair had to be a certain way. So that was in the early 1900s. By the time the 70s rolled along, when I started fellowshipping, men were still wearing ties, and, but they had colored shirts. You know, pink, yellow, brown. If the people from the 1900s, early 1900s would have seen it, as, oh, that's no good. That's not the old way. But yet this generation, when I got in, was calling that the old way. See how the culture changed from then to then? Nowadays, that same church, if you go there, women are no longer dressing like this. You I mean? And now they dress in, in a more, more uh, relevant culture, but yet they're still calling it the old ways. What they actually meant was, and it was very important for them, is that we believe so much what we're doing, we want to honor God with it, that uh, this is the right way to do it for them. But yet when you look at the Episcopalians, when you look at the Methodists, you look at the Catholics, everyone have a, has a different church culture. So we need to look less at the culture and look more at the Word of God Amen. and make sure it's applied to our culture. Make sure we take the sin out of the culture. But in terms of the music I listen to, I mean, unless the music is really... Because I could say, well, rap is no good because they talk, talk about killing cops and all that other stuff. That's true. That is no good. But yet I could worship God with a rap. You know, uh, I've heard raps where where I can actually understand the words, and the man is saying, you know, you have to love Jesus, you have to serve Him, you have to honor Him. Yet I've heard people singing nice lullabies, "Eh, kill the cops. (laughs) So yeah, you know, you got these rock and rollers, but they have slow music, and and, uh, like Queen, the slow rock and roll, but when you hear some of the nonsense, See, so it doesn't make a difference. What makes a difference, we take the sin out of the culture, go in and invade the culture and get them to see that Jesus is the way, the truth, the light. Amen. And be less judgmental in the church, but shine. Self-discipline. Why am I going to try to change you if I myself need changing? So today's the day, and God, I guess, is telling us today, it's time for you to change. It's, it's, It's time for you to self, or let's say introspect introspect. Am I there yet? Am I in process? Am I working this thing for real? So as as I start winding down, I want you to start thinking about that. Are you seeking God with all of your heart? Are you seeking to change? One of the things that releases the anointing in our journey for change is Psalms 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down over the beard, over the beard of Aaron, running down the edge of his garments. That is where God releases life and life forevermore. When we can get along together and praise Him and live for Him, give Him glory, and all of the different ones doing their best, serving God with all of their hearts. When we do true team ministry... It comes out of a heart of loving God and loving my fellow man and loving those that God gives me the privilege of ministering to. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So next time you have a desire to criticize, man, that pastor preaches too long. Ah, that worship team. Oh, that sound. Oh, that, that church. Oh, that, whatever it may be. You need to go, ah, uh, zip it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to practice that anymore. I need to change my habit in that area. Because every word I speak, it needs to bring life. Any action I take, it needs to breed life. Hallelujah. It needs to take people higher. Your words, your actions, excuse me, are they taking people higher or are they bringing people lower? I'm getting no amens anymore. Elder Jose, do me a favor. At the end of the service, just give me a line. Protect me from the people. I don't want to get slapped and beat up. Just get a line. so i could run out before they, before they jump me. Because now I think I'm meddling. Amen. Team ministry fulfills the, requires, uh, the requirements to operate in true riches. Am I operating in the true riches today? Who here can tell me what the true riches are? actually that's exactly right Colossians 2.10 Christ in us the hope of glory is the true riches it's not a Cadillac it's not a Mercedes Benz none of that it's not big positions that's deceptive riches the real riches are the anointing of God flowing through you touching a lost humanity bringing them back to the household of God bringing them back to the Father's hands